Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Hui Huin of the Alabama Woodworker, and I'm joined by my friends Sean Walker of Simple Co. Hey, guys. Hey, Sean. And Guy Dunlop of Guy's Woodshop. Good evening, Hui. Good evening, Sean. This I'm Guy. <laughs> Guy, oh my goodness. I was like, I already <laughs> talked to you, man. Oh, man. Wow, that's awful. I know. How I many know. shows have we done together? Ah, uh, too many. Almost this is number 80. This is number 81. Every two weeks. <clears throat> so that's like three years. Man. And you still don't know me. I know you. Well, anyway. This podcast is intended to answer your questions, the woodworking community, and to give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon campaign. If you'd like to show your support, we are simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Please go to patreon.com forward slash woodshoplife if you'd like to show your support. So, oh, and we're going to be stick around to the end of the show because we're going to be talking briefly about what we've got going on in our own shops. So let's get right into it. Guy. What is your first question? My first question is a very quick question from Ken, but it's a question we get quite often, but I thought I would take it. It says, hi guys, for a walnut kitchen table, would you use a conversion varnish or armor seal? I can spray if need be, Ken. Short and sweet, I like it. I like it too. So yeah, this is a question that we get a lot about finishes and we cover finishes quite a bit on this show. And cause I think that I always try to take a finishing question on every show because everybody always wants to know about finishing. So in this situation for me, if I was making a kitchen table out of walnut or any wood, it doesn't matter what species it is. Mm-hmm. A kitchen table is going to see a lot of abuse because, you know, you've got the kids at it, you sit there, you know, you play cards at it, poker, dice, whatever, stuff's going to bounce off of it. And then there's all the kitchen utensils that are going to hit it and nix it. And it can just be a real mess depending on how you use it. For me, knowing what I know right now, and if I have spray equipment, I would go with conversion varnish. I'm sitting at a desk right now I just finished that I sprayed with three coats of conversion varnish. And let me tell you, the finish is awesome on it. And I think it's very, very tough. I've got my kitchen cabinets that I built and completed a little over two years ago. And they look as good as the day I finished them. And they see a lot of abuse. So that would be my recommendation if you can do it is use conversion varnish, Ken. What do you think, Sean? I've never used conversion varnish before. Um, you know, obviously it seems to be the, from what I've read, the more the durable finish. So if Ken can spray, I mean, I see no reason not to use a conversion varnish, you know, over armor seal. Let's but say I, out of what you've used, have you used anything else other than armor seal to do? Let's say like a kitchen table or a dining room table or anything like that? No. Really? Correct. <clears throat> yep. I've used high performance, which I mean, technically, I guess is not a conversion varnish, but no, it's polyurethane. It's a polyurethane. Yeah. Water-based polyurethane. Um, and I've used armor seal and actually the dining table, which doesn't actually see a lot of use, yeah. um, is, is a wiping varnish. It's an armor seal. Um, so, I think for a kitchen table, yeah, I totally agree. 
you're generally eating and doing a lot more stuff at your kitchen table than you would your dining table. And I would, I would agree with you on that using a conversion varnish. Um, the other thing to consider with the conversion varnish, how long did it take you to do the three coats on of conversion varnish guy? A day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yep. you can, you can spray the conversion varnish I used. You can put on, it tells it, it it's very specific. It says you have to, you know, put a sealer on the wood, which yep. I use shellac. I put two coats of uh, shellac on it, maybe three, two coats, no, two coats of shellac, sanded it down. And then it says lay down a two to five mil coat. I put about a three mil coat on. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can refinish in an hour yep. and not to sand between coats. Yeah. So yeah. I just followed the instructions. So the other thing, you know, just with respect to conversion varnish, the speed of it, if you can spray it, you, you'll be done in a day, mm -hmm. right? Uh, whereas armor seal, um, you know, you're, you got to let it cure 24 hours before you, you know, sand it down, put another coat on. And it definitely takes more than three coats. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, so I think if you can, the speed of it, along with the durability, considering it's a kitchen table, I, I, I totally agree. Conversion Let's, varnish. Let, let me ask, because Ken's not here to ask this question. What if you couldn't spray and you had to choose a very durable kitchen table finish? I'd probably go with a, I'd probably go with a, um, uh, like a high performance. Yeah, that's what I would probably do. I'd, mm -hmm. And that's what I did. That's what I did on my kitchen table. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what about you, Sean? Why would you go with a high performance over an armor seal? Just, just curious. I think it's faster to dry and cure than, yep. than an armor seal. And yep. I think... Uh, You're not able to get more than one coat a day on with armor seal? I, I don't. After, uh, after the, the first coat soaks right in, especially in walnut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I you, mean, can I, put another, you can put another coat on in probably four to five hours afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you start building up, to me, a kitchen table, like I said at the beginning of this, it sees a lot of abuse mm -hmm. and I'm not a fan of a thick film finish because I don't like the look. I don't like a plasticky look on the, on my furniture. However, on a dining room table, I think you have to put a certain amount of build on it to make it durable because like I said, it sees a ton of abuse. I mean, I don't, I should, I shouldn't, I should say my kitchen table sees a ton of abuse, especially on the holidays. We got, you know, a bunch of kids running around. They're all beating on it with toys. Right. It's just a mess. But my dining room table is a different thing. Well, let me, let me go back to my that. original question. Are you saying that high performance is more durable than an armor seal? It depends on how much armor seal, armor seal you're building up. I'm just but trying to figure I, out why you all would choose high performance over armor so not that one's right or wrong i'm just trying mm -hmm. you know for my own for educational speed. purposes yeah the speed mm -hmm. of it because now, if, I, I, if you time it just right like if i'm putting finish on something i can put a coat on in the morning mm -hmm. and then put a coat on again at night with armor seal mm -hmm. in good conditions if it's 40 yeah. degrees outside obviously yeah. not but you know i've got a mini split i've got heat you know i can yeah. well, i can I spread that I out i don't have that so mm -hmm. for me Putting like armor seal on, I'd want to put around probably around five coats on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me, that me means well. every day I got to be out there sanding and putting another damn coat on. So you're and saying I just, I the high performance it. is thicker? I think it's a thicker build. Yeah. yeah. I think you can probably do like three coats in a day. Yeah. In a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean be done with it and then let it, let it sit for four or five days to, you know, really off gas well. And the next weekend you can be putting it in your kitchen. But you've got to do some, some, some shellacking or something, in my opinion, before True. you do that, just bring out some mm-hmm. color. Oh, I yeah. Have, but so, there's I mean, also gotta, the, the, the oil modified or oil infused or oil, whatever. Can you, but you, that they recommend the spray, like the Enduro, Enduro varnish Enduro bar, or whatever. Enduro bar, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, to me, I, I I just, I'm an armor sale person that, you know, yeah. if, especially if I'm using walnut, I'm not going to just throw, you know, polyacrylic or high performance. Oh, I, I agree. Shellac, which that's going to take yeah. a day or two and then three coats and. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100% that I would put it on a sealer of, of uh, shellac uh, shellac first. Or, yeah. you know, if you've got the time and let's say, you know, you're going to do it this, you're going to put down a, a sealer this weekend, the next weekend you're going to put the, the, the final finish on it. I would even consider putting down like a, a, a thin down coat of BLO on it, mm, yeah. oil, and letting it sit for a week. Mm-hmm. And then let it, let it dry thoroughly for a week. And then if it's been drying for a week, you can put a water-based finish over the top of it and it will yeah. work fine. To me that I would just slap armor so and get the best of both. I, I see what you're saying in terms of yeah. with using a water base, if you're wanting to impart that color, you have to put some type of sealer that's going to impart color. Whereas with yeah. the armor seal, you're just putting on the armor seal. Is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, but it makes sense. You know, everybody has their own preference. This is the thing about finishing. There's, I mean, there's multiple ways to do it right. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And there's multiple ways to do it wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, there's sure. there's definitely that. All right, cool. Well, anyways, I thought that was a good question because it, 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 a lot, a lot, of, a lot of conversation there. So I think, Sean, do you have the next question, Sean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right, this is from Brian Wilson. Let me preface this by saying I'm a very let me preface this by saying I'm very new to woodworking. My question is a little out of the ordinary and is about the mental side of woodworking. I have a fast-paced, high-pressure job that requires a lot of my time. That being said, it has allowed me the luxury of jumping into this hobby with both feet and get some really good tools right off the bat. Probably a bad idea, but what the heck? The downside of the job is it limits my time in the shop and also makes it hard to transition into the mindset for woodworking. Mm. I have to multitask and move quickly at work, traits that don't lend themselves well to the hobby. Do you guys ever have trouble slowing or calming down when you're in the shop? And if so, how do you combat this? Thanks, Brian Wilson. I took this because, you know, I've had this problem for the last year and a half that we transitioned due to COVID to work from home. You know, I've found myself really, really distracted every time that I'd go out to the shop just because, you know, I'm always thinking about work and being in the IT field, you're always, I need to look at my phone. I need to look at my phone. What's broken? Who needs access? And so I, I really struggled and I still struggle with this, uh, even now, uh, over dealing with being distracted and just not calm, slowing myself down in the shop when I'm out there. So, you know, it's just something you're going to have to remind yourself. And this is just what works for me. Uh, you're going to have to remind yourself to stop thinking about and focusing on the projects that you're working on. Stop, you know, you're just going to have to 
make yourself do it. And it's just something you're going to have to practice while you're in the shop. And, you know, and I found having a project ready to go and having a to-do list allowed me to block everything out except what I wanted to accomplish that day or night in the shop. If I go out there and I don't know exactly what I need to do in the order that I need to do it in, my brain starts to starts to wonder. I get frustrated and I'm just like, man, I don't have time for this. I need to go back and do something else. I need to go back mm. to work and do something. You've really got to set your schedule and you've got to you've got to set up all the steps that you need to take in the shop to get to make progress on your on your project because when you start to make progress like that, you really start to get motivated and it I find it easier to focus more on woodworking than I do work. So, you know, you've just got to be uh, just like you are in your professional capacity. You've got to be prepared. You've got to, you've got to have your outline, you've got to have your goals and you've, you know, you just got to transition into woodworking and, and have your to-do list ready and, uh, and have that project ready. If you go out there without a project to make, or you don't know what you're going to do, you don't know what kind of lumber, you don't know what size, um, you know, it's just, I find it easier to say, you know what, I'll come back tomorrow when I have these, these items and I'll go back to work Mm -hmm. or not think about it. So you've got to have your to-do list, uh, even, even more so now, you know, than if you weren't working a a fast paced job that it's hard to get away from, just be prepared and just practice making yourself focus on what you're doing in the shop because you know, it's, it's safer. You can't, you can't think about other things while you're running machinery like that. So Mm. You know, that's the tips that I have. Um, you know, I'll pass it off to, you know, Hui, you got any tips for Brian on how to remain focused in the shop? So very much like you, Sean, I I work an office job. Uh, I, I believe right now you're working remotely, correct? Yes. So for a good portion of last year, I had to, I was 50-50 at home and 50% in the office. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I work one of those jobs that I have to be in the office because I have to have access to a certain amount of data that can only be accessed in, in the building that I work in. Special secret classified government work. <laughs> Just sure. say it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just uh, say you need access to data. <laughs> yeah, I need access to data. Here we go. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it can be... At first, actually, it was, it was great because I was at working at home a little bit and... You know, I could I could be taking a class uh, through work um, and, you know, like a lot of things when you're taking online classes, your attention's not 100 percent on that. Right. Um, But once I got back into the office full time, my goodness, it was just really difficult to come home and get focused on doing stuff in the shop and adding a little one to that. Um, as well as the fact my my wife is pregnant and um, again uh, so just again well for the second time um, so just making sure that when I come home I'm actually dedicating some family time but man I get home and you know I'll spend time with my family and nine o'clock rolls around yeah I get up at five o'clock six o'clock in the morning to get to work I can't spend that much time out in the shop and it really annoys me and frustrates me when I only get like an hour or two hours because you can't really do much. So I think the biggest tip for Tim, if if you're in a similar situation, which it sounds like you might be, uh, I'm sorry, it's not Tim. What's his name? I'm sorry. Brian, right? Brian. Yeah, Brian. Brian uh, is like you said, having that list and being okay with maybe just setting up a tool 
for when you know you're going to have a little bit more time in the shop to do an operation. Uh, those little tiny things to check off that list, whether it be just setting up a tool or just lining up boards. My goodness, last night I only had like 45 minutes in the shop and I just lined up boards for and laid out boards that I knew were going to be a tabletop. That's it. That's all I did for 45 minutes. I, I just, you know, moved boards around and kind of looked at it and it, it, it's frustrating, though. It really is because I like to have a good chunk of time, anywhere between two to four hours, if not more, to work on the project um, because my mind works in multiple steps. Like, you know, to get from point A to point B, there are all these little steps in between. Now, Guy, I, you're working in a production shop. You're working in woodworking. So I'm yeah. curious to hear how you actually get motivated and get time in the shop and without, you know, being unmotivated, you know, because you're doing it all the time. The, the question Brian is really asking is, is that he works in a very fast paced job and he's moving quickly. So he's doing this, he's doing that, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's doing this, he's doing that. And now I'm in the shop. I got to move fast. I got to move fast. How do you slow down? Yeah. That's really his question. How, True. Do you guys ever have trouble slowing slash calming down when you're in the shop? And if so, how do you combat this? And I understand that completely. You know, I used to work in a, a, a fairly high pressure job. It was very fast paced. But by the time the weekend came around, I was so focused on doing nothing but woodworking. I just managed to do it. I, I, how do you slow down? in the workshop, there are times when, you know, I said, like you said, we, I work in a production shop and there are times I'm just like, you know, back to the wall. I got six or seven and I'm the only guy that builds anything there other than tabletops. So mm -hmm. I could get a, you know, five work orders for cabinets, you know, mm -hmm. this, that, the other thing, all of a sudden I've got six weeks worth of work sitting in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I've got to get it done. I've got to move quickly. However, there are times when I catch myself because I'm moving so fast yeah. through these projects that I start to make mistakes. Mm. And that's when I slow myself down. And usually the way I slow myself down, I know it sounds awful. And I hope, I, well, I know our CFO listens to the show, but he's not my boss. So I, I tend to putts around hmm. a little bit because I'll get into to modes where I'm, you know, I'm in the zone and mm -hmm. I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it's all of a sudden I like make two or three mistakes, you know, small mistakes, but mistakes I shouldn't be making. And I say, you know, I'm, moving, I'm trying to move too fast. I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. I got to slow down. And I make a conscious effort to slow down by doing putzing. So I'll go over to my uh, my bench. I've got several benches. And I'll go over to the main bench that I do most of my work at. And I'll just clean up a few things. And I just calm down. Hmm. You know, it's like, take a breath. You know, maybe go get a cup of coffee or go to the restroom or get a glass of water or whatever. But I'll just stop what I'm doing for maybe not really take a break, but for maybe like five or 10 minutes, do things that need to be done, but things that don't have to be 
done at some type of production pace for me. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like today, I got I have a lot going on, and I said there's still just me in that department. They gave me a bunch of work, and I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, and then I made I made a I made a, a huge mistake this morning. <laughs> I'm not going to discuss what it was because it's stupid, but. It could have been very costly, and I said, "You know what?" So I went over. I went over to the the the, the production manager and I said, "Hey, I'm going to log into shop maintenance, which is a a job that we use when we're not billing our hours to specific projects." And I have a travel tool chest that I bring to work with me. Mm-hmm. It's got all my stuff in it, but it was filthy just from being in there because there's just dust all over the place, sawdust. And Sandy does. I said, I'm going to clean my travel case out. Is that okay? He said, yeah. So I took like 45 minutes and took everything out, cleaned it off, put it back in. I slowed it down. So, and I do the same before I was that job, I was doing the same thing. I would just do general putzing around the shop. Mm -hmm. If, if I found myself, I was trying to do too much in too short of a time. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. So I think that's really the question Brian was asking. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry about that, Brian. I guess I didn't read it well. (laughs) All right. Well, hope guys answer helped you. (laughs) (laughs) Just stop and clean your tool chest and slow down. Smell the roses. I guess I focus more on time management because I don't have time to putz around. (laughs) Well, that's, that's, yeah. Well, I guess we gave three different answers. So one of those will work for you. Yeah. And probably help somebody else out in that. In the scheme of things. Yep, there you go. Yeah. We we are All on right. to you, buddy. So my first question is from Tim Preach, and he asks, Hey guys, thanks for putting out such a great podcast. I've been binge listening to the older shows and have heard several discussions on dust collection. Most of them have been focused on connection, connecting a large hose to a smaller dust port and not getting the full performance from this du- from this collection. I don't have a dust collector, just a DeWalt shop back. Would you say that some dust collection is better than no dust collection at all? Working on getting a bandsaw that has a four-inch four-inch port, used green, not the newer blue paint job, uh, Rikon 10, 3, 15, 12-inch deluxe, and dust collector would be the next purchase after that. Do you think it would be fine to at least use the shop back to help, or is this a waste of time? So... Bandsaw is kind of interesting, right? Because a bandsaw is really quite open, uh, similar to like a cabinet saw, the older cabinet saws that don't have shrouds uh, underneath uh, the within the cabinet. Uh, So if it's what I believe, it's just basically just a four inch port that's coming from uh, the bottom portion of the door. Yeah, the bottom door. Uh, where the uh, where the bottom wheel is so you might not get a lot uh, i think he's right i think something is better than nothing um especially that which would accumulate uh close to the port but uh yeah you're not going to get a lot of volume to really draw in a significant amount of dust, but it's going to be better than nothing and i would probably do that i would probably hook up you know, your shop back to it. And I, I used to do that when I had a lunchbox planer. 
Um, I used to connect. It, it didn't do a very good job at all, but it did fill up and it felt filled up fairly fast. And now my clog. Yeah. Yep. It exactly. Um, and it was kind of a nuisance and a pain, but it, again, it did collect some chips. So that was better than nothing. Sean, what do you, did? Have you ever done this? What did you do for dust collection before you had a centralized dust collection so like on the bandsaw? I think that man, they're tough to get a lot of the dust anyway because of what we said the way they're configured mm-hmm. um it, it just depends on the task that you're doing on the bandsaw too if you're just making a, a couple of curve cuts and you're done i wouldn't connect it but if you're resawing mm. you know something's better than nothing and connect right. it i mean you're obviously going to have to you know adapt a two and a quarter to a four inch uh, port if you have that which i'm sure you'll get that capability you know i mean it's better than nothing but if you're doing a quick cut like if, even even though I have mine connected to a you know four inch hose on my dust collector, if I'm just doing a quick cut, I don't even turn the dust collector on. But if I'm resawing, I'll turn it on, use the mask and all that stuff or the respirator, and I mean it'll get a little bit of what it's going to get. But you know bandsaws are just they're difficult to collect a lot of the dust. Um, but yeah, as far as the other other uh, tools like the I had a Dewalt lunchbox, just like we were saying. You know, I would, um, I ran that on the shop vac, but I found that it would, it would clog so often that I was just constantly turning it off, unplugging it, removing the chunks. I, I think on, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think on the newer, the, the four post DeWalt. Has a blower in it. Yeah, It has a blower in it. You can just put a bag on the end of it. You don't even need a dust collector. Really? Yeah. That good? No, it blows all the chips out. Yeah. Okay. It's, and I, I've seen people that have done that before. And they just put a bag on the end of it. That's what it's designed to do. That's mm. why they put a blower in there. All right. Well, anyways, uh, I thought I'd throw that out there. Okay. Well, guy, what is your uh, thoughts on the bandsaw? Dust collection on the bandsaw is almost a futile thing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work real well. I've got two hoses that go to mine, one that goes on the bottom, uh, to the bottom of the wheel and one that's right under the, the table by the by bearings, the, by the bearings and stuff. Mm. And I've got a three horsepower dust collector. That's got one hose. It's not even a, a central system. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't do a very good job. Mm. So, but you know, as far as Tim's question goes, is you know, if you've got a shop vac, it can't hurt. Yeah. For the most part. And the, the guys are right too. And I mean, hooking up to something that's going to give you a large volume of chips and dust, especially chips like a like a planer or a joiner. I don't know if I would use a shop vac because it like like the guys are saying, it's just gonna clog, clog up, up too fast. Yeah. 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 But for something like, you know, I use one for many years on a, I had a five horsepower craftsman that I hooked up to my table saw simply mm. because I didn't want a hose coming down from the ceiling or anywhere else. And I just used the five horse. It was a contractor saw that I used for, you know, 20 some years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just built a little shroud on the bottom and all the stuff fell down there and it worked pretty well. I didn't have much right. of a problem. Um, but, you know, the dust collection on miter saws isn't very good. The only thing that dust collection really works well on are your, your joiner, your planer, 
uh, table saw. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, am I am I am I lying there? No. R- router table is not bad. Okay. Router table. Router table. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I missed one. Yeah. I missed one. Router table. But uh, I mean, I have a centralized dust collection. I still use my shop vac for like my spindle sander, my mm-hmm. um, belt yeah, sander. I my use my sander. dust collector for just about everything. But I guess what I'm saying is those tools that we just, those few tools we just talked about, I mean, if mm-hmm. you had a drum sander too, yeah, um, those are tools that, you know, really should have a dust collector. Right on. Everything else, you're okay with a, with a shop vac. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because your miter saw, you use the shop back, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. You can put one on, you know, on a drill press. You know, <laughs> if you have if you have some kind of lathe thing going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think the, the the biggest machines are the ones that need the the. Like I said your joiner, your planer, your table saw, and a router table maybe, and a, a drum sander if you have one. Mm-hmm. But other than that, a lot of the tools you can get away with a good powerful shop back. Yeah, and, and and what you're saying is a bandsaw is, and I agree with you. Bandsaw, it, it even with the two ports, and I've got a a a clear view. Uh, the it's okay, you know, with the bandsaw. Yeah, it's like okay. It's, yeah, it's okay. You're still going to get a lot of dust on the table. Like it just yeah. it just happens, you know. Yeah, the, so. it just works that way. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well. I think, Guy, you we're back to you, yeah? Back to me? All right. Mm-hmm. This is a question from Paul. It's a, it says, hello, guys and Guy. Oh, well, thanks. Wondering if you could have any recommendations for table saw blades. I purchased the Forest Woodworker 2 10-inch 40-tooth blade back in May. However, it is back, I'm back ordered till November. I didn't know that there was that kind of issue with, wow. with blades. Is there another blade you recommend that would be easier to find and use for the time being? I'm currently running the SawStop PCS3 horsepower and just have the standard SawStop blade that came with the saw. Thanks, Paul. Well, that standard blade that SawStop ships with their saws mm-hmm. is actually a pretty damn good blade. Mm. Um we actually have two of those at work that are still in circulation that we use and they work actually pretty good when they're sharp. I, I have a force. I have two forest woodworker twos. Mm-hmm. I keep one sharp and one in the saw. Um, I also have, I'm just going to tell you what I've had experience with, I mm-hmm. guess is the easiest thing to do, Paul. Uh, I also have a Ridge carbide blade that I bought, I think it's a 40 tooth also. And that's a nice blade. It doesn't leave as nice of a, a a finish Mm -hmm. as the, the forest does, but it's still a very good blade. My recommendation for you, if you want something easy to find and use for the time being without spending, you know, a hundred to $150 is go to the big box store and just buy a Diablo blade. For twenty bucks, you know, get yeah. a ripping blade, get a cross cut blade, or get a a, a um, general a general purpose blade. Yeah, yeah. And you can get it for like twenty, thirty bucks. And they they do work. They don't they don't last forever. And 
but they'll work for you. Mm-hmm. That would be my recommendation. Yeah. What do you think, yeah. Lee? So for the longest time before, I, I currently have uh, a blade very similar to the Forest Woodworking Woodworker Two. It's made by Quinn Saw, WD Quinn, uh, out in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have an Amana. I can't remember. It's a, it's a blue one. Whatever it is, it's a, it's a forty tooth combo as well, forty or fifty tooth combo. Um, is it a combo or a general purpose? I can't remember. We've had this conversation before. I know. I can't remember <laughs> what the heck it is. Um, I think it's a general. What's the Forest Woodworker too? Is that a? That'd be I a think general purpose. General, general purpose. I think yeah. all of mine are general purpose blades, except for before I had those, I had an Infinity Combo blade. Uh, Infinity Woodworking, Infinity Tools. I think it's Infinity Tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a armor. Uh, nickel armor or whatever it is the coating that they have on it that was a pretty good blade i really like that blade a lot and i think it's about 40 or 50 bucks i think you can get them on sale it's not bad it's not bad um do they have a november ship time if you bought one now i don't know but they do that's crazy i know Uh, they do have instances especially their router bits where they will be on back order or out of stock so uh, again Great blade. I, I think it's a pretty well priced blade for, you know, not super high end, but pretty decent quality. Good value um, would be that is the Infinity Armor Nickel Armor combo blade. So, Sean, what do you, what are you running, and what, what what would you suggest to Paul? Um, yeah, I'm currently running the Woodworker Two, the one that mm-hmm. um, is on back order. But one blade that I can recommend that I've used. And it's a little bit more than a, you know, $30, $40 blade. It's a $62 blade currently as of September 15th, 2021, when you're listening to this 20 years from now, um, is (laughs) is the Freud uh, 10-inch 40-tooth Premier Fusion General Purpose Mm -hmm. Blade. That is $62. I've used that. I think I've purchased one, maybe two of them. I can't Mm -hmm. tell. It's hard to know with the saw stop and, and triggering the cartridge, how many I've purchased, but I know at least one. Um, and I'm looking on Amazon and it is in stock and ready to ship. So if you have yeah. prime, you can get it in two days, but this is a, this is a really good blade that yeah. lasted me a while. And, um, you know, this could be your, your, you know, back and forth blade when you get the forest woodworker in, you know, start using that. And then when it's dull, stick this back in, ship the forest woodworker off, get it sharpened and use this as your second blade, because for $62, it's, it's hard to beat. You know, it's a really, really good blade that I used for quite a while. Heck, I probably still yeah. even have it. Maybe. No, this is when I triggered the second time the T-Track. So oh. it's in the trash somewhere okay. in the landfill. Well, this is a good reminder for me because I actually, I, I got to send off my blades. Um, my one blade, my uh, DW Quinn mm. out to get sharpened. It's a good reminder. Yeah, I've, I've been really happy with the Freud uh the what do they call it the premier fusion blades they're mm. they're not really expensive $62 for a blade that I'm going to use probably a year or so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before getting it sharpened mm-hmm. and um and yeah. you have had that blade sharpened before I didn't have the opportunity <laughs> but I would you know I could take it to my local woodcraft and get them sharpened there 
or have they it. They sharpen you know, blades at Woodcraft? Mine. I mean, they got really? a, a, they know a, a guy or send it. Oh, okay. There's some deal. Oh. It's a local Woodcraft thing. Okay. I don't know if all oh. of them do it. Just mine does. Yeah. Um, they know a guy or there's a couple of places online you can send them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's the blade I'd recommend if you're in a pinch. Yeah. It's good yeah. to know. Good to know. Yeah. With that, Sean, you've got the next one. All right. This is my last question. And this is a pretty good one that, you know, all of us can have different answers on here. I was surprised to hear a guy say he wasn't a fan of parallel clamps and instead preferred pipe clamps due to their clamping pressure. They seem to be standard issue for every woodworker I see. Can I ask you all to share any other overrated or underrated woodworking tools? Danny. So while I'm answering this, you two can be thinking of your answers, but (laughs) you know, I'm going to go with, um, my pick is for being underrated and maybe it's just underrated to me is a shop apron. You know, since working from home, I'm in and out of the shop, you know, 10 minutes here, 30 minutes there. I don't put the apron on and I spend probably 30% of my time walking around looking for stuff that should be in my apron. You know, it's when I'm doing a project, you know, I'll try to remember to put it on, but man, it is just, everything is where it should be. You know, I've got all my pockets figured out, the tape measure, the four inch combo, the the marking knife, the this, the that, and they're right where they should be. I mean, I waste so much time walking around my shop. Where's the tape measure? Where's the combination square? Where's the four inch double square? Where's my marking knife? Where's the whatever? A good apron is underrated. I don't have an expensive apron yet. I plan on getting one, um, but I just, you know, an apron's an apron at this point for me in my shop. It's got enough pockets to carry everything. And the dust collection remote is pretty awesome. Being able to have it on the side of the pocket and you're off to the races. I would say in my shop, and I've thought about this. I'm sure there's some other tools. I would say in my shop, again, just my shop, an overrated tool is the 12 inch. Um, what is it called? It's that woodpecker 12, whatever, 81. What is that thing called? The square? Just a oh. twelve inch square. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I rarely not 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 just because it's woodpecker. I just I do I have two of those a twelve eighty one and another brand. I just think they're overrated for what you know for for my shop. Mm. I rarely use those things because they're either hmm. too large for the task too or big. they're way too short. Yeah, I would rather have the uh, what is it the woodpecker T square the real you know like the thirty inch or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's definitely on my list. Um, but you know, those, that's an underrated, uh, tool or apron is my underrated and the overrated is the 12 inch square. The doesn't matter the brand in my shop, uh, guy, what is, do you have an overrated or underrated tool? Uh, overrated. Let me think about that for a second. I think underrated if, if this is actually a woodpecker tool and it's something that I wear, I, I feel the same way about a shop apron, Sean. If I don't have my shop paper, I don't know where anything is. Yeah. I'm setting stuff down and I'm looking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I reach for constantly, like all the time, is the Paolini pocket square. Oh, I love Yeah. And I've got the dual metric and imperial one, mm. the six inch. Mm-hmm. I've also got a 12 inch. And an eight inch, which I never touch because they're too damn big. The six inch one, I said that that's dual. I it, I just 
I don't know why, but I just use that thing all the time. Mm. You can actually put up to a board and draw a square line. It actually is, is really super square for that. You can obviously it's a rule you can measure stuff, but it's also got a stop, a sliding stop on it. I actually use that sliding stop to do metric conversions too, if it's under six inches, because you can set it to the metric and um, see the imperial. Uh, I, it's probably the single most used tool in my shop. I'm just constantly using that thing. I'd be lost without it. Hmm overrated i'm trying to think of something that's overrated and i'm gonna pick on something i know there's gonna be a lot of people that say oh you're crazy overrated and i know i'm gonna take a lot of flack for this i still think they're very good but i think they're overrated are festival sanders Mm. um they do a good job they do they do a good job with dust collection I, i shouldn't say maybe overrated i should say way overpriced yes yes but not overrated in my opinion uh, <laughs> the vibration alone made it worth the money i spent coming well from the cheap but you've got you've got the 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 newer one the uh, the uh, brushless one brushless yeah. yeah i don't have any of the brushless ones technology yeah i know i don't you know you know i don't have the brushless ones because you bought because I, I don't feel it's worth the eight million dollars to buy one to buy one again to replace the current festival you have. Correct. I agree with you on that. Correct. That, it's just too damn expensive. I agree. And I, I think people justifying that kind of money for something like that when they have something that actually works well, like an older festival one, I don't think it's worth the money. I think it's I think they're they're I think it's a I don't want to say a think it's bad what? purchase. I don't want to say it's a bad purchase, but I think it's a coming it's, from it, it's unnecessary. If you already have one, let's establish If you already that. have one. Yeah. If you already have one, yeah. 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 I don't think there's many tools that are that are way overrated. I think there's there's a lot of products that I think are maybe overrated yeah. that we're not going to get into here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of clone tools that I think are overrated. Like? Oh, I'm not going to say any names on here. <laughs> but yeah, what, what about you, Hui? I think an underrated tool, something that I use all the time, I use so much in setup um, that I don't talk about are setup blocks. I love using setup blocks. Setting, I use setup blocks to set height of my blades, my router bits. Uh, I do have the Woodpeckers uh, one, uh, which I believe is a one-time tool. I, I don't know why it's a one-time tool because I think it's something that they should have yeah, all the time. They're aluminum blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 again, I don't understand why they have it just as a one-time tool. But there are other manufacturers that uh, that sell uh, aluminum blocks or set of blocks or brass blocks. Uh, they're, they yeah. all do the same thing, um, and I really like them a lot. I use them so often, and uh, I think they're an underrated tool. An overrated tool. I unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with the woodpeckers type stuff but it's not just woodpeckers it's uh you know those precision triangles i bought that set of precision triangles the four six and i know first world problems i also have the 12 inch oh my gosh precision triangle the 2019 and i never reach it 
before it it's just hanging on my wall. <laughs> I never see. I have it. a I have a I have the twelve inch triangle. Uh huh. I use that thing every day. Do you really? Yep. Wow. I don't use it. I'm building a lot of big stuff. Yeah. And it's easy just to slap that inside of a cabinet and see if, if I'm square or not. I don't. You can't do it with the six inch square because it's too small. You're talking about the twelve inch precision triangle. Yeah, I, I have no idea. It's it's a twelve inch triangle. Yeah, well, the reason why I brought that up is because you posted a picture on Instagram two days ago using it with your yeah, uh, that's biscuit, right. biscuit joiner. Yep. I Atlanta. use this thing constantly. Constantly. I used it today for three different projects. You know. Now who's going to start I, using it again? I, 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 now I, I'm going to start using it again. Uh-oh. I, would, I will say, okay, so there's the 12-inch, yeah. But they also have the 4 and the 6-inch that doesn't have that lip on it. Mm-hmm. Like the, like yeah, the, I've got those. And I never use those. For sure, I never use those. I would say that the precision triangle with the lip on it, that's kind of like, um, what do you call it? The uh, carpenter's triangle, you know? Like a speed uh, square? More, yeah, more like a speed square. Is, sorry, my dogs, um, is much more useful than I'd say the precision triangles, the four and the six that doesn't have the lip on them. Uh, I can those see that. I definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely do not use those. I can see um, that. At all. They, they yeah. just stay in a drawer. Um, they look pretty. <laughs> yeah. They stay in a drawer. They look pretty to the drawer. Yeah. Yeah. To the drawer. All right. That's a great question. I yeah, like it that. is. It, uh, there's a lot of useless stuff in my shop only because yeah. I've too lazy to get out there and use them. I'll tell you one thing I've been going through because I still, so we sold our house and we close on our house on Friday and there are just these few things that are still in my garage even though I've moved all of my tools over there are just these few things and I kind of look it's like do I get rid of this do I keep it do I get rid of oh were those those free tools you said on last episode that people were going to call you on one (laughs) six one five four hundred they're they're already given away one nine eight three they're already given away (laughs) Whatever is it? They're gonna call. They're gonna call that number. It's like it's not. That's not we. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at your number from when you called me, guy. I yeah. tell you what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I've got a lot. Man, that was that was fun purging everything, and it's like, uh, give it away. Okay, cool. Anyway. Well, I think that is my last question. We're gonna move on to we. Yep. So this question is from Travis. Hello, I have upgraded my table saw to a three horsepower Powermatic 66 and was looking at building an outfeed table, but seeing wood prices lately, I am just going to use my old one and a half horsepower contractor as the outfeed table with both saws pushed back to back, making sure the miter slots don't interfere with each other. That's pretty clever. I've Mm -hmm. seen that several times from people. I think that's a great idea. I'm trying to decide on what blades to get for the two saws. I see the work you guys do. So I was wondering which blades you would keep installed. So it's very similar to your question, Guy, but I think a little bit different. Both saws have router tables, so any dado would be done with a router bit. Thanks for all the great podcasts I have been listening since number one. Keep up the great work. You know, I, I'd have to push back on it on uh, on what Travis is saying here. I actually think it would be a great idea if you had, if your contractor saw Ken, put your dado blade in there. Um, I think, oh, what is his name? Uh, Frank Howarth. Yes, Frank Howarth. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, I was trying to. Sorry, it's been. I, I know. I don't know why I apologize to you. But yeah, yeah, I don't know why you did either. 
Uh, I don't know why I apologize to you. I don't either. Even, yeah, I don't know Do you. you apologize I'm, I'm sorry for apologizing. <laughs> yeah, get on with it. Yeah, sorry, I agree with you. Is what that was. Uh, I I would put a dado blade in the contractor saw. I think that would be. Uh, I have a router table connected too, and I do do dados with the router table, but I like doing dados with, uh, with a dado blade. Yeah. A lot of times. So I, I mean, I, that's what I would do is I would put a dado blade in there and I would keep either a general purpose blade or a combo blade in my Powermatic 66. Yeah. That's what I would do. I agree with you Um, on that hundred percent. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. We sure. What size dado stack would you keep in there? I mean, Ooh. how thick would you go? Um, I mean, there's no right answer or wrong answer. Just curious. I'd probably go half inch, half inch wide. I was thinking three eighths. Three eighths? But then you need to make those quarter inch screws for your drawer bottoms and you're like, crap. Well, you got router table. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got router table. Um, Guy, what do you think? Well, Have you ever had a, seen a setup like this? Yeah, I've seen setups like that. But going back to something you said there, you know, put a dado stack in it. If I'm in my home shop mm-hmm. and I'm doing a quarter inch dado, mm-hmm. I just go to the I just go to the router table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Half inch, I might do a router table. I might do the table saw. It really depends on what I'm mm-hmm. making a half inch dado for. If it's for mm-hmm. solid material, solid wood, mm-hmm. I can do it either or. But mm-hmm. if it's you know. Plywood? Plywood, I'm going to go to the dado stack mm. because I can adjust it and I can get a better fit. Mm. So it really depends on what type of dado I'm making. But yeah. uh, I'd almost agree with Sean that probably a 3 eighths inch would be a good way to go because you can, you know, if you're making a three-quarter inch or a half inch, it's two cuts. Yeah. But still, you can dial in a little bit better. And like I said, a quarter inch, like I said, I'm, I'm, using, I'm using the router table anyways yeah um but which blades would you put in i mean if not a dado stack i mean there are times when i've got i want a really nice super clean cross cut so i actually have a forest cross cut blade too they have a name for it i can't remember what Mm -hmm. it is it's a woodworker one is it a 24 24 tooth no no it's like an 80 tooth 80 tooth. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. The higher tooth count is. Yeah. I think it's a woodworker one. Hmm. Um, and I have that and there are times I put that in. So I would almost put a ripping blade in one. Hmm. I put a ripping blade, not a general purpose, a ripping right. blade, like hmm. a thin kerf rip. Hmm. And then Maybe put, put the, that on and put the cross cut blade on the, on the contractor saw. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. Good we point. have a, 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 Tenru industrial thin cut ripping blade that we use every now and then at work. And it's, it, <laughs> it just cuts through anything like butter. It's amazing. And it's only like a $50 blade. Hmm. So um, that's probably what I would do. I'd put a ripping blade on one and a cross cut blade on the other. And I could have the best of both worlds. Ripping blades rip the material a hell of a lot better than a general purpose blade. Yeah. Agree. So, Agree. and that's what I've got on my saw right now is just a, a cheap ripping Freud blade. ripping blade. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, all right. Uh, I think that wraps it up for the questions. Let's talk about what we've got going on in our own shops. I'm going to go back to Sean first. All right. Well, um, my shop has been collecting dust, not from me making any dust. Um, (laughs) The episode I missed a week, uh, episode before last, I was having Mm -hmm. some surgery done. So I don't have the all, the all clear yet to, uh, to go and do anything crazy like that just yet. So probably three weeks from now until Mm -hmm. I can get back out in the shop. So this episode and next episode, I have nothing to report except doing nothing. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what I've been up to. Um, So I guess I'm going to, I'll pass it off to Guy. What about you? In my home shop this last weekend, I finally finished my damn desk. It's only been four months. So I got that complete and finished and it's, I'm sitting at it right now and it's, it's wonderful. Um, soon I should, if I find a time, I should have a video out for, I shot a boatload of footage. Mm. I just don't know how long the video is going to be, whether I just make it a quickie or a, you know, a 25 minute in depth kind of thing. We'll see how it goes, but, uh, that's pretty much it. What about you, Lee? Well, I, like I said earlier, I did process of selling our house, um, got it on the market, sold it over the weekend. At least we went to contract over the weekend. So I'm closing on Friday. So there's just this last bit of stuff that I've been clearing out of uh, my old shop, uh, things that I've gotten rid of and whatnot. Uh, So pretty busy with that. We also went to Disney World this last week. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, as a vacation. Um, but, uh, but I did get a little bit of time in the shop. Um, so I, I got all the material for this conference table that I'm building and lo and behold, one of the boards is actually thinner than the rest. So I actually had to plane down these 12 foot boards and I was scared. Uh, I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? Um, but I set up in feed and out feed. I've got a couple rollers. I've got that, um, shop super max like slinky roll shop roller roller thing mm-hmm. you guys know what i'm talking about it's pretty good actually um and it actually i was able to get it all done um so i had five boards that were just a 16th of an inch thicker than this one board so i had to get so them did, all you have, did you have the mills do the milling i the i just no no i did it I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I originally had the mill shop do it, and they, I don't know. I was a little bit upset that it wasn't all the same thickness. Why were you so scared about doing 12-foot boards? Uh, Because I was afraid that I'd get snipe. and That's the worst thing. That's the only thing that could happen is you'd get snipe. We do that stuff constantly. It's fun. But, you know, surprisingly, with my little Hammer A331, (laughs) um... The Sorry, uh, little, little, hey, it's not, it's not huge, right? It's a small planer. Well, I mean, it's 12 inch wide planer. Um, but uh, I didn't get any snipe, I was actually kind of surprised. But I did set up proper in feed and out feed, so yeah. um, yeah. and I made sure to lift up the board as it was coming out so that it didn't, you know, just give it a little lift so it didn't uh, create any snipe. So it actually came out perfectly fine and everything's ready to go. And you know, I lined everything up, so all I got to do is. Grab the lamello, plunge out some uh, alignment biscuits, and glue it up. So nice. 
All right. I think that wraps up this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions, please send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com. Or you can DM us through Instagram at Woodshop Life. And we really do appreciate the questions that come in. You guys have been very consistent about that. Please continue to do that. We would also like to thank everyone who has left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and the feedback. And you can reach me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are on my website. Guy, where can we find you? Uh, guys Woodshop on Instagram, YouTube, and I actually have a Twitter account that I don't post to. You can go there. There's not much. <laughs> All right. And Sean, where can we find you? Well, at Simple Cove on Instagram and YouTube and that simplecove.com. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for listening. And guys, we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you. See you all later. Bye-bye. Bye.